The Lord be with you. And also with you. The Holy Spirit came down from heaven to teach us and lead us into truth. Hallelujah. Beloved, we gather for ordered worship to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our gathered community here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and your material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selections of forms of leadership and service in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This Pentecost Sunday is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray together. O God, who on this day taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending to them the light of your Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy comfort through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, as we learn in scripture and as we relearn in our experience, the poet had it just right. To err is human. To err is human. To forgive divine. Happily, gladly, on this Pentecost Sunday, we remember again the footprints of God's Holy Spirit, wherein life and love, grace and freedom are to be found day by day. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. As together, together we sing now our Kyrie, let us do so, do so in a spirit of prayer and compunction. The Kyrie sung together. Beloved, let us be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. Hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to that same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in praying responsively verses from Psalm 104 with the Antiphon. How manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you formed to sport in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works, who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the reading of the gospel. No, sorry, for the singing of the Gloria Dei, the, re the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. Glory to you, O Lord. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Perhaps you too were arrested by the moving and powerful remembrances offered this week, 70 years later, for June 6, 1944. This week we have heard again about those young men on Omaha Beach and elsewhere who gave so much for the common good, whose sacrificial martial action was offered for the common good. Perhaps you found in such retrospective as we have had these last few days an emotional upsurge, a spiritual shower, a reckoning with history and duty, an infusion of the spirit. There is a gospel echo here. Spiritual gifts are meant for the common good. Those who began the practice of ministry in the 1970s officiated at many funerals over the years for men of this, the greatest generation. As with all ministry through which one puts oneself at the disposal and in the service of others, these memorials over the decades have been moments of great privilege. One such occurred yesterday across the river in the Harvard Memorial Church. 
we are coming gradually toward the end of this generation's memorials. Have we truly learned the lessons, their lessons, which by accident of circumstance, age, location, timing, calling, we have been given to celebrate in ministry. What a privilege in ministry to participate in the highest and the hardest moments in life. What a privilege. Ministry is preaching and ministry is visiting. To preach requires, invites, demands visitation some two dozen 40-minute visits per week, 40 minutes of listening, which is an offer of life, and 40 seconds of extemporary prayer, which is an offer of grace. What a privilege to share the gospel week by week in such a way. You are right there in the middle of things. Once when our son was 10 years old, he accompanied me during such a visit with two parishioners, Mary and Bill had married just after the Second World War. They raised four daughters who all had become vibrant, creative, caring adults. In addition, they found time to prepare the altar for Sunday, to sit through various worship committee meetings, to take an interest in local politics, to read and learn and grow and change as faith intersected with life. During the October that Bill was dying, our son Ben went with me once to see him. On an earlier visit, Bill had told me about his experience in the war. At age 20, Bill had become a pilot and had flown 30 missions from England into and over Germany. His plane had been shot down once. He had survived, though not all of his crew had survived. He had carried responsibility for an airplane, a crew, many missions, and to some small but human degree, the outcome of the war itself. He was honored and decorated when the war ended. Thirty missions later, several deaths later, many hours of anxious service later, many buildings and bridges destroyed later, after three years in command in England, in the air, in the war, he came home. He was 22. Bill was 22 years old, when the war ended and he came home. I can, cannot remember how this happened, but our son either asked to see or was offered to see Bill's flight jacket. It was a heavy, worn, brown leather flight jacket, waist long, with an old center zipper. At age 10, and I do not remember how this happened, whether he was asked or was offered, Ben donned the jacket. He was small in it, but Bill himself was somewhat small, and the jacket fit, if poorly. Here was a moment when Mary, soon to be a widow, and Bill, soon to be buried, and Ben, soon to be 11, and I, soon to conduct a funeral, were fully quiet together. With that jacket, Bill came home 30 missions later, a war won at 22 years of age, a young man. Bill worked the next 40 years as a public relations writer for a small manufacturing company, a quiet life of backroom pencil sharpening, phoning, rewriting, and mailing. Some moments stand frozen in time. Our son in Bill's jacket is one. Bill's main work, his adult life work, the core of it, as he reflected on all of his life, was completed by age 22 which provokes a question. Where did we ever get the idea that young people are not capable of great things? Bill found his voice, his own self, at a young age and quietly whispered, whispered that voice in faith for the rest of his days, right in media race in the middle of things. And here we are. In June of 2014, at Marsh Chapel, in the middle of things, in media race. Young adults are often concerned about relationships, anxious about performance, overly attentive to changing appearance, and honestly uncertain about the future. You notice, I am sure, that in all these things, they resemble no one as much as another remarkable age cohort sometimes referred to as 
their parents. The issue of appearance or appearances, which will dog us all for all our days, is of particular importance this morning. Now, it is good to dress well for church and particularly for such a special occasion as Pentecost. In fact, we might wish that there were rather more than less attention across our time and land to matters of courtesy and manners and dress. However, the scripture lesson this morning acclaims in startling fashion a distinctly different truth, which is simply said that what matters is not how you look, but how you sound. In the life of the spirit, that is, what counts is not your face, but your voice. To become a person is to find your voice. And spiritual gifts are vocal gifts meant for the common good. Spiritual gifts are vocal gifts meant for the common good. You may and rightly wonder why St. Paul would start down this rickety path with the already shouting Corinthians. In ancient Corinth, a city like New Orleans, in its love of the love of the flesh, Paul spoke. God made them, he said, and gave them life. Soon they would be at death in God's presence. In the meantime, they were a sorry lot, but Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to give them new life, community, heaven, meaning, love, and, yes, spirit. And to this they responded with chaotic shouting and disrespect. They shouted, they misbehaved, they went overboard. If nothing else, that is, it seemed that there was plenty of volume in Corinth. This morning we are in earshot of part of Paul's lesson for the Corinthians. In a word he is heard to say, you are mistaken to focus too much on what you see. What matters is how you sound. What do those around you hear? What do those around you overhear in your voice? I heard an editor at Random House explain how he could move through thousands of manuscripts very quickly and know which ones to publish. He said, oh, I can tell in a paragraph or two. Did you ever listen to someone sing? You can tell in a line or two. Paul is asking his newborn church to exchange volume for value, to listen for the good gifts that God is giving, to feel the heartbeat of life and love and various forms of speech that are the whole content of spirit. Paul gives, too, a concrete historical measure of spirit. We all have come of age in a time in which the word spirit and its cousins are as exuberantly pronounced as they are unintelligibly defined. By contrast, for the Paul of 1 Corinthians 12, spirit means speech that does good. All the gifts of the spirit, he says, can be known and measured by one simple test. What do they do for the common good? Notice the space Paul creates. There are varieties of gifts. Not one bouquet, but a meadow full of varying bouquets, diversities, multiplicities, all the many-sided manyness that his Greek culture decried as the enemy of the true and the good and the beautiful, the oneness of truth. This diversity Paul celebrates. Says he, God is giving us gifts all the time, but our ears are so muffled that we miss their value, their resounding power. The gifts which make up the spirit are many and different, but are the bequests of a single spirit, Lord and God, incidentally one of the earliest Trinitarian references in scripture and history. These vocal gifts are to be distinguished from their contraries by a single test, that of the building of the common weal, the common wealth, the common good. So Paul directs the Corinthians to listen for the arrival of the gifts of the Spirit, and we may do so as well this morning. You receive your measure of them, each one, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Take the time over the years to hear and know and know your part in them. To one is given the logos sophias, the word of wisdom. 
Some of you will become wise before your time. Our age in some ways disdains wisdom. We prefer willpower. It is willpower or the will to power that distinguishes our age from the raucous willfulness of our music to the undisguised willfulness of our politics. We love things not because they are right and true, but because they are ours. Look at many of our popular cultural figures. Wisdom there? Not always, but they are willful. And in that combination of audacious imagination and utter willfulness, they symbolize some of what is wrong with our time. But the gift of the Spirit is wisdom, the quiet capacity to see life and see it whole. To see life and see it whole. Listen for a word of wisdom. To one is given the logos gnoseos, the word of knowledge. Paul elsewhere questions knowledge, but not here. Paul himself knew a great deal. He knew the Hebrew Bible well enough to use it and recite it as a part of his heart. He knew the tradition of Greek philosophy, the Sophists and the Epicureans and the teaching of Plato well enough to recall them with ease. He knew the cities of the empire well enough to traverse them with grace. He even knew enough of the craft of leatherworking to make his living city by city as a tent maker, the original worker priest. I have no doubt that it would encourage our increase in knowledge in many directions. But the knowledge to which he gives expression here is of a different kind. He means the knowledge that touches and changes and warms the heart, that makes the heart strangely warm, that knowing word. And you will know it when you have heard it. It is thought feeling. It is felt thought. Try as we might to unglue the two, feeling and thought, they are enmeshed in one another. It will come to you one day. Someone will take you by the hand and whisper, I love you. Someone will ask you pointedly whether you plan to make something of your life, and if so, what? Someone will, at the right time and the right way, tell you to your face that you are forgiven for what you did and you should stop beating yourself up over it. Someone will point out to you a different possibility, a new alternative. And someday, someone may invite you to come to worship God in a community of faith, in a church, in a real church, a church with depth, with texture, with body. More to the point, some of you will have the courage to lift that very voice, that knowing voice, that felt thought, that telling voice of knowledge. Listen for a word of knowledge. To another is given the gift of pistis, faith. Faith comes by hearing, we know, and hearing by the word of God. As a religion, Christianity has yet to come to terms far and wide, it seems to me, with Paul's blunt assertion that faith is a gift, a gift a form of speech and hearing that is offered to some individuals for the sake of the common good. Perhaps the word of faith upon your tongue is the gift of the Spirit to you and to those listening to you. Listen for a word of faith. To others are given the gifts of healing and ergimata dunameon energetic power, words of healing and force fitly spoken that make a difference for the common, the shared good, the commonwealth. Paul strictly measures the spirit and spiritual gifts according to this simple rule. Does this make for more common good? Yesterday we took our son's two daughters for an afternoon. We rode the tea, we walked through the common, we rode the carousel there, we hiked over the Fiedler Bridge, we sat for ice cream along the Esplanade, we meandered up along the river, 
We stopped in a playground, one where a tree has been carved into a part of the yard itself. All public space, all common good, all ushered into existence by spiritual gifts for such. And I had to wonder, maybe you have done so, how many meetings, how many hours, how many votes, how many speeches, how many voices over how many years have been lifted to make Boston such a shining example of public space for the common good. Listen for words of healing and force, fitly spoken, that make such a difference. To still others are given gifts of prophecy, discernment, speaking, and understanding. I ask that we notice only that all of these, like their predecessors, have to do with the voice. You become a person by finding your voice. Spiritual gifts are vocal gifts in the tongues of Acts 2, in the shouts of Psalm 104, in the dominical cry of John 7, but especially in Paul's declaration of 1 Corinthians 12 and its three emphases. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Apostle Paul noted we should devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So on this day of Pentecost, let us come personally and collectively to prayer, standing, sitting, kneeling, or however the Spirit moves you. The call to prayer is, lead me, Lord. blessed with your goodness and mercy. King of creation, great is the work of your hand. We marvel at the soaring magnificence of mountain ranges and the deep depths of canyons, the spacious skies, the calming pastures of green and nourishing fields of grain, the cool, fresh, sparkling waters and the cycle of the seasons. We praise you, God, for these are just a few of your wonders. Thank you for the beauty of your creation and all that is within it. We pray that we remember our responsibility to take care of it. Help us to live responsibly. Forgive us, merciful Father, for we have sinned against you. We are guilty of the sin of overconfidence in our ability to take care of ourselves. We are guilty of the sin of underperformance in taking care of others. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Open our hearts, our hearts for it to flow from within us so that we may be humble 
gentle, patient, loving, and peaceful. Help us to live our lives in a most excellent way, with love. As true believers, we accept and thank you for this living water. We also thank you for our diversity and pray that we are able to recognize that each of us, no matter how different, is a product of your creation. Guide us to accept and embrace each other regardless of race, socioeconomic status, political affiliation, or sexual orientation. Help us to concentrate on how our differences complement each other rather than how they divide us. Instead of proudly comparing ourselves to others, we pray that we humbly consider how we can work together in service to you. Help us to cherish each other, for though we have a variety of perspectives and gifts, we are united in one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. We call on you to abide with us, for in the midst of illness, stress, and worry, we remember you, O God, for you alone are our rock and salvation. With you as our fortress, we will not be shaken. We pray for your peace. Give ear to our words, O Lord, for we pray them to you in the name of the one who was sent by the Father to empower us with the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now we pray together the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace of God be with you. We'd like to take this moment to warmly welcome you to Marsh Chapel, a sanctuary amongst a city and a place of peace in times of chaos and stress. We hope that you find a home here and feel that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are always welcome in this space. We would love to get to know you better and help you get to know one another better. And a really great way of doing that is by filling out your name and contact information in the red books towards the center of your pew. Please pass those along. Directly following the service, there'll be refreshments downstairs, coffee and tea. It's a great time for fellowship and we welcome you all to join us directly after the service. You'll find an insert in your bulletin with details about Dean Hill's summer preaching schedule as well as details about the summer preaching series here at Marsh Chapel this summer entitled The Gospel and Emerging Adulthood. Please see our website at bu.edu chapel for more events and information as well as an opportunity for online giving. As we beckon our ushers forward, let us be reminded that it is a spiritual gift to be a giver. We have an opportunity now to practice the ancient Christian practice of generosity. As the choir lifts us up in song, may you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
Holy Spirit, you who are energy and freedom, bless and multiply these gifts, tithes, and offerings we make, and those gifts that you give to each and all of us, that in this giving and receiving we may be nourished and strengthened in the life of faith, and so encouraged to raise our voices in your work of love and justice in the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, and in your presence and power, we pray. Amen.
May the sun shine warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiant sprue, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, be and abide with each one of us now and forever.